John 12, verse number 1. Then six days before the Passover, Jesus came to Bethany, where Lazarus, who had been dead, whom he raised from the dead. There they made him a supper, and Martha served, but Lazarus was one of those who sat at the table with him. Then Mary took a pound of very costly oil, a spikener, and anointed the feet of Jesus and wiped his feet with her hair. And the whole house was filled with the fragrance of the oil. But one of the disciples, Judas Iscariot, Simon's son, who would later betray him, said, Why was this fragrant oil sold for 300 denarii and given to the poor? Thus he had said, not that he cared for the poor, but because he was a thief and had the money box and used to take what was put in it. But Jesus said, Let her alone. She has kept this for the day of my burial. For the poor you will have with you always, but with me you do not always have. This morning I want to preach on the thought, responding to God's goodness. Responding to God's goodness. I didn't know what Sean was going to lead in worship, but the first couple songs this morning is about God's goodness. And that's exactly what I'm going to preach on, God's goodness. All right, Heavenly Father, we thank you for your word today. We pray, Lord, that you would open up our ears and our hearts, that we would hear you. And Father, I pray that we would not only hear your word, but we would pay attention to your word. That your word would take root in our heart and our life. And that, God, we would be faithful. God, we would be fruitful. In Jesus' name, and everyone said a great big amen. How many would agree with me that God's been good to you? Now, we have a church lingo, don't we? If somebody asks you, how are you doing? Your response would be, I'm blessed and I'm highly favored. That is, is, is a cliche we used in church, right? We use those cliches all the time. I'm blessed and I'm highly favored of the Lord. You know? Or we use the cliche that God will never put anything on you more than you're able to bear. We use the cliche that cleanliness is next to godliness. Am I right about it? Now, how many knows that those, those cliches are not really found in Scripture? But I guess if we were writing a Bible, they would look pretty good as Scripture, wouldn't they? Amen. They're not necessarily in Scripture, but we use those cliches because we want to stay positive. We want to live a positive life. I mean, who don't want to be positive? Who don't want to live a positive life and a successful life and a happy life? Every one of you desire that. You desire to live a life that's happy and successful and pleasing to God. And not only pleasing to God, but pleasing to others. And I think that's commendable. I think it's commendable that we want to live that type of life. Nobody wants to be a loser. Nobody wants to be a failure. Nobody wants to be labeled as a loser. How many in the building wants to be a loser? Nobody wants to be a loser because there's an innate desire within all of us to be somebody. There's an innate desire within us to be great. Pastor Larry, there is nothing wrong with us asking the Lord to use us greatly. You remember the sons of Zebedee? went to their, was with their mother and came to Jesus. And the question was of their mother, can my son sit on the right hand and can my other son sit on the left hand? You know what's interesting about that scripture? Nowhere does Jesus rebuke the woman 
for wanting her children to become great. There is nothing wrong with wanting to be great. There's nothing wrong with being successful. There's nothing wrong with living a happy life. But I want to remind you something that I think that what happens in life is our quest to be happy, our quest to be successful, our quest to achieve the ladder of success, we forget to respond to God's goodness. In other words, we forget everything that God has already done for us. It's like we're running so hard. We're going after our dreams. We're going after our passions. We're going after our, 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 our talents. We're going after everything that God told us we can do. And in the midst of that, we forget what God has already done for us. We forget everything that God has done. Sometimes I believe that we are suffering from spiritual amnesia. You know what amnesia is? It's when you forget things. And sometimes I'm convinced that in our spiritual life, some of us are facing or we are dealing with spiritual amnesia because we are forgetting what God has already done. Oh yes, I know you want to be successful. I know you want to be happy. I know you want to live a life that pleases God. But in the midst of that, don't forget to remember what God has already done for you. Is there anybody in the building that can wave your hand and say, I remember when I was sick and the doctor gave up hope on me and God healed my body. I can't forget about that. Is there anybody that can wave your hand? Is there anybody in the building that you were addicted to drugs and you had no way out? You were so addicted that you were as low as low could be and you had lost all help. You have lost all hope. You didn't know what to do. But at the midnight hour, God stepped in and brought you from the pit and brought you to the palace. Is there anybody that can wave your hand and say, Preacher, I can testify to that. Is there anybody in here that your marriage was falling apart? When you thought all hope was gone, God stepped in and brought both of you closer than you've ever been. Is there anybody that can wave your hand and say, I can testify to that? See, sometimes in the busyness of life, we forget to respond to what God has already done. Now, why am I saying that? Because, listen to this preacher. If you open your Bible, just look at this. You open your Bible to John chapter... No, just everybody look up here. Because you're looking for it, you're going to miss it. John chapter 11 is the chapter before the chapter I just read. Is that right? How many knows 11 comes before 12? Did I read John chapter 12? Did I read John chapter 12? There you go. What comes before 12? 11. Now what happens in chapter 11? A man by the name of Lazarus, he was what? He was dead. As a matter of fact, Pastor Lando, he was so dead, the Bible says he was stinking. As a matter of fact, he was dead four days. And do you know Lazarus, he had two sisters, Mary and Martha. And the Bible says these two sisters came to the Lord and said, Lord, if you would have been here, my brother would have never died. 
And what was Jesus' response? Oh, don't worry about it. He's just sleeping because I'm the resurrection and I'm the life. And how many knows the story? Jesus went, told him to roll away the stone, and that four-day dead body got up out of the ground and began to walk. I don't know about you, but that's a miracle right there. Now, what does, what does John chapter 11 have anything to do with the scripture I just read to you? Well, guess what? The Bible says, now the six days before the Passover, verse 1, Jesus came to Bethany, do you see that? Where Lazarus who had been dead had been raised from the dead. There they made a supper and Martha served. And then Mary took some oil to his feet. You see what's going on here? So what are you saying, Pastor? Don't lose me. These three people decided to respond to the goodness of God. What was the goodness of God? He raised Lazarus from the dead. I don't know about you, but that qualifies for God being good right there. Somebody say amen. God's a good God. And because God was a good God, guess what happens? Mary and Martha and Lazarus said, Jesus, come to Bethany. The least we can do is make you a fried chicken dinner. Can somebody wave your hand and say amen to that? Mashed potatoes, green beans, corn, gravy. Come on, somebody. Brown gravy. There you go, Pastor Orlando. Come on, somebody. Hot rolls with butter. And, gee, and Mary and Martha said, the least thing we can do is cook you a dinner. Now, let me ask you a question. How do you respond to God's goodness when he raised you from the dead? Is a chicken dinner sufficient? I mean, how do you really tell God, thank you? How do you really tell God, I appreciate what you did for me, Lord? I was sick. I died. I was in the tomb for four days. You mean to tell me all they could do is give him a supper? I don't know about you, but if I was dead and God raised me back to life, I don't know what I'd do. I'd probably make him a chicken dinner. I'd take him to the movies. Come on, somebody. <laughs> I'd buy him a new suit. Come on, somebody. I'd... But God's so good that Martha and Mary said, Lazarus, tell your best friend Jesus to come to the house because I'm going to make him a dinner because God's good. I, I've got to stop here and ask the question, how do you respond when God's been so good to you. Well, Mary and Martha and Lazarus said, let's invite him to the house and we'll make a dinner for him. And in this story, you see three people responding to God's goodness. Now let me stop here and preach just a little bit. And I don't mean to get on your toes, but if I do, just say ouch or oh me or amen. Is that all right? I, I don't understand how God can be so good to you and we sit at the church pew with our arms folded. Can I, just, can I just preach there? I don't understand how we can sit there as a bump on the log and not do anything 
When you know God has been good to you, you know God restored you, you know God healed you, you know God delivered you, the least we can do is respond to his goodness. I, I, I don't know about you. Now, you don't have to act like me, but there has to be a response to God's goodness. So Mary and Martha said, we're going to have a dinner because we're going to respond. And there's three people in this story that respond to God's goodness. Now, Mary and Martha, let me tell you this, and I'm going to preach just a little bit. Mary and Martha wasn't happy with Jesus in chapter 11. You know why? Lord, if you had been here, he wouldn't have died. But chapter 12, they're celebrating Jesus. I think that is a I think that's a picture of our life. Sometimes we get frustrated with God. God, where are you at? God, I've prayed. God, why are you late? And then there are some days we just want to celebrate God. Have you ever felt that way before? Come on, some have you ever felt that way before? I mean, John chapter 11. They were frustrated with him. Lord, you should have been here. Lord, where are you at? But chapter 12, they're rejoicing. I think all of us faces that, don't we? We all have times where we become frustrated and don't know, and then there are Sunday mornings we just celebrate God's goodness. There's three people. There is Martha in the story. There is Mary in the story. And then there is Lazarus in the story. And do you know that all three of these people respond to God's goodness differently? And guess what? Each of you will respond to God differently. You won't respond to God like I respond to God. You won't respond to God like Sister Kathy responds to God. We all respond differently, but we all should respond. And in this story, you have three different people. They all respond, but they don't all respond the same. Boy, that's a mouthful. Can I say that again? All three people respond but they all don't respond the same way. They all do respond, but they respond differently. And I look throughout this crowd. We all respond differently, don't we? I mean, Pastor Josh here, I mean, I get excited. You know, sometimes I'll get up here and dance and run around. And you don't have to do that. But every once in a while, it's good to respond, even if you just nod your head once in a while. Is that all right? Somebody say amen. Come on, somebody. Every once in a while, we have to respond. And three people responded. Now, the first person that responded is Martha. Number one, Martha shared her talents. Martha, number one, shared her talents. Her talents. Her gift. She shared her, her gift and she shared her talents. Now, what do I mean by that? Well, the very first thing that Martha does in the story is what? She's cooking. Is that right? Verse number one. The Bible says, or verse number two, then they made him a supper and Martha served. Martha. Everybody say Martha served. So what does Martha do? She shares her gift. And you know what her gift was? It was hospitality. Because we find in the book of, we find in the book of Luke, Martha doing the same thing. So throughout the scriptures, you find Martha doing the same thing. She's always serving. Now, I've heard sermons where we have put Martha down. But let me remind you 
that we have to have people in the church like Martha and we have to have people who serve because serving is their gift and that is a response to the goodness of God. They may never get up to preach. They may never get up to sing. They may never get up publicly, but they are the ones in the nursery. They're the ones cleaning the toilet. They're the ones vacuuming. We have to have some Marthas in the church who respond to the goodness of God by their gift of serving. Let me ask you a question. Why are you not serving? Why do you come to church and sit on a church pew? Do you view church as a shopping cart? What the church can do for you? Or do you come to church with a shovel, ready to build and ready to work? You see, if our mindset is what the church can do for me, then it will never bring glory to God. Because it's not about you, it's about Him. You should be served. But pastor, I'm tired. You don't know my work schedule. Has God been good to you? The reason you have that job is because God gave it to you. The reason you got up out of the bed is because God gave you the strength to get up out of that bed. The reason you have that car is because God gave you the finances to have that car. The least we can do is to serve God. Is there anybody in the building? You say, Pastor, if, if I don't preach, then I'm not going to serve. Do you know why it's hard to get people to serve in the church? Oh, don't lose me. The reason it's hard for people to serve in the church is because of your title outside of the church. If you are a CEO Monday through Friday and the pastor asks you to do the dishes or to vacuum, you automatically think that's beneath you because of the title that's been prescribed to you by the world. Boy, I wish somebody just helped me. How many business owners do we have in here that's washing toilets? The struggle is you have the title of the world and you think serving in the church is beneath you. But let me just remind you, when God saved you, you were beneath God. Boy, that was some good preaching. When God saved you, you were beneath God, and God did it anyway. There should be nothing beneath you. Service is the gateway to greatness. It's a shame if i got to get up here and beg people to work in the nursery. It's a shame that i got to beg people to clean the church. It's a shame that I've got to beg people to serve. If God has been good to you, the least you can do is to pick up a broom and say, God, I'm going to serve you with my gift. How dare we stand in the sanctuary and think people need to serve us? Let me remind you of where you come from. If you don't got a servant's heart, then you're not called to this church because that's our mission and that's scripture and that's biblical and we're going to be a biblical church. You say, you say, 
but let me pray about it. My dear brothers and sisters, don't say that. It's not in the scripture to pray to serve. If you don't want to do it, just say you don't want to do it. But don't throw the God card. I'm going to press rewind there, Pastor. Don't throw the God card. Uh, the, people say, the Lord is calling me to another church. No, 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 no. Just be honest. Quit throwing the God card. God told me to leave my spouse. God didn't tell you to leave your spouse. Quit throwing the God card. Come on, somebody. I wish somebody just say, preach on preacher right there. And so, so Martha gave her service of hospitality. She served. Served. She shared her gifts and she served. Why? Why did Martha serve? Because Martha remembered in chapter 11, Jesus raised my brother from the dead and the least I can do is respond to his goodness by serving. Now, I can't make hot rolls like Kathy. I can't make chocolate pies. I can't make Mexican food like Christy. That's their gift. But if that's your gift, let's serve the church. Let's serve Christ with that gift. And that honors God just as much as somebody up here preaching the word. Y'all quiet today. I don't know if I'm if I've just hit a nerve there. Is y'all still love me? Can y'all wave, nod your head, just 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 blink at me, let you know you're come on, is there anybody? Come on, somebody, just wave back there. There you go. There's wave. Service. I I don't understand how the Holy Ghost can be on the inside of you, and you got the Holy Ghost inside of you, and you won't serve. I, I just don't understand. There's no desire in you to do anything. There's no desire in you to shake people's hands at the door and be a great. There's no desire in you to get up off the seat and do something. The Bible says in Acts chapter 1, when you get the Holy Ghost, you will be a witness to all nations. The Holy Ghost is not to sit in a church service and speak in tongues. The Holy Ghost is for you to get up and serve the body. Serve. Do something. This scripture teaches us that one of the ways to respond to God's goodness is you've got to share your talent. You've got to share. You've got to serve. And then you have another person. Another person comes in, and her name is Mary. And what does Mary do? Mary gets uh, some oil, right? She, she, she gets that oil out, and she breaks the seal. She goes over to Jesus. And she begins to anoint his feet. Now, that is taboo. For women to wash a rabbi's feet, that's probably not a good idea. Especially if you do it with your hair. Can I hear an amen? So, the Bible says she used her hair. Now, anytime women would let down their hair, it was a sign of intimacy. So, you can just imagine they're eating their fried chicken. And Martha's serving. And all of a sudden at the table, this woman lets down her hair. Now, I don't know about you, but that would make me uncomfortable. 
Because I would say, can I at least eat my green beans first? I mean, come on here. Can I hear an amen? But she, she gets up off the table and she breaks the seal, goes over there, and she uses her hair, which it's taboo. You don't ever do that in the Middle East. Women always had their hair covered. And you never shown your hair unless you were intimate with your spouse. She removes her head covering and she lets down her hair and breaks the oil. The oil was a year's worth of wages, a year's worth of wages. So it meant something to her. So she breaks it and she begins to wash his feet. Now get this, how did she respond to God's goodness? She's thinking to herself, Lord, I remember a few weeks ago my brother was sick. He was in the tomb for four days. I had given up hope. I had lost all hope. And you came and raised my brother from the dead after four days. And the least I can do is to get my oil out. I can't cook like my sister. I can't make the hot rolls like my sister. I can't serve like my sister. But I do got some treasures that I can give to you, Lord. There's something that I can do. I am not her, but there's something I can do. And you know what she did? Number two, not only did Martha share her talent of hospitality, but Mary shared, or excuse me, sacrificed her treasures. So one of them shared hospitality. They served. The other one sacrificed her treasure. What do you mean, Pastor? That bottle of oil was her treasure. It was worth a whole year's wage. And you know what she was doing, Sister Kathy? When she broke that, she is saying this, Lord, I am responding to your goodness. I don't know how to cook like my sister, but I got a whole year's wage I can give you, and I give you of my money. Oh, it's getting quiet now. We don't want to hear about this, do we? One of them served hospitality. The other one sacrificed their treasure. She gave a whole year's wage at his feet. And isn't it interesting? Don't lose me. She broke it. She used a whole year's paycheck. A whole year's paycheck. She put it at his feet. And she wiped his feet with her Wiped his feet with her hair. You know what she was doing? She was mixing her offering with worship. And that's when you come to church, when we receive the offering, it is just not an offering. You've got to mingle it with your worship. Because when you mingle your offering with your worship, it becomes a sweet aroma to the nostrils of God. And when she began to break it and wipe his feet with her hair, it caused a sweet aroma. I don't know about you, but when I give of my tithe and offering, I want it to be a sweet aroma to the Lord, and I want to do it as an act of worship. The Bible says in Malachi chapter 3 and verse 1, You have robbed me, says the Lord. You have robbed me of your tithe and of your offering. I'm wondering how many robbers do we have this morning? Believe me, you find the money to do what you want to do. Do you put God first in your finances? Tenth. The Bible says in Malachi chapter 3 that 
you say you haven't robbed me, but the Bible says in Malachi chapter 3, you've robbed me with your tithe and you've robbed me with your offerings. Ladies and gentlemen, the reason you are blessed is because of his goodness. And as you give your tithe, do you know what you're doing when you give your tithe and when you give your offering? You are acknowledging that money does not have a hold on your life. Money does not control you. God is your source. God is your provider. And you give as an act of faith and trust that he is your provider. Now, isn't it interesting, don't lose me, when she broke it, when she broke it, she broke it, guess what Judas said? Judas said, now, Lord, if she would have known, we could have used that money and fed the poor with it. Because isn't that what happens with money? God says to be faithful with your tithe and offering, and you always got another voice telling you, oh, that's too much. Don't do that. Don't do that. There's always that other voice. It's the voice of Judas. But it's interesting that we don't have that voice when we buy something we want. As a matter of fact, we have another voice. We try to talk ourselves in while we need that. But when it comes to God, we have that voice trying to talk us out of what belongs to you. And I'm going to be firm here. If you are not a tither, you are not walking in the blessing of God. You're not, you're not walking in the blessing of God. God's blessing, you say, Pastor, but I have, I, today's a new day. Decide today that a tenth of every dollar belongs to God. Well, I'll, I'll do it when I get a big paycheck. No, if you can't be faithful with one dollar, you're not going to be faithful with a hundred dollars. You say, be faithful now. Make a decision that today I'm going to put God number one in my finances. Your checkbook, your checkbook, ladies and gentlemen, is the mailing address to your heart. I can look at your checkbook and tell you where your heart's at. Jesus said that where your treasures are, there your heart will be also. If your treasure is found in the things of this world, that's what the checkbook will say. But if you put God, listen, I am not telling you anything I haven't done. I have lived this all of my life. And there are times I didn't have nothing to give. Didn't have money to pay my bills. I didn't, there are times I didn't even have a car when I was pastoring a church. I, I would have the guest speaker. My car would break down on the interstate. He had to push me across the highway because my car was junk. But you know what I did? I kept tithing. I kept giving to the Lord. And every time I pushed my car across the highway, I was thinking to myself, that's all right, because if I'm faithful to him, he's going to be faithful to me. If I put him first, he's going to... Woo! You say, Pastor, I need to use that money for the washer. Put God first, and God will make sure you get a deal on the washer. Come on, somebody. If you put God first... How can the Holy Ghost live on the inside of you and you withhold the money from God? How can you say you love God and on the inside of you, you can't let go of it?
Holy Ghost on the inside of you propels you to give. The remedy to the problem of the human race is generosity. Think about it. Lucifer gave himself the glory and didn't give the glory to God. And because he didn't give the glory to God, he was cast down. You see, it's not an issue of money. It's the issue of your heart. Because God desires to be first in every part of your life. I know this is some hard preaching. I've been doing some hard preaching. But you know what? We're getting ready to experience a revival. We're getting ready to experience a move of God. And what God is doing is just preparing the groundwork because God is moving in and through our church. God, listen, listen, it's hard to grow up. You see, it hurts, don't it? It hurts. Sermons like this hurts because growing up should hurt. You say, well, all that church wants is my money. Really? Do you think they want our money, Christy? You really think that we're getting rich off of y'all? I mean, really? You really think I just want your money? It's not money. Money is a piece of paper with green on it, backed up by the government. You think God wants that? God wants to make sure that don't control your life and don't have your life. You think, you think, you think God is really after paper. But paper has a lot of you all. Paper. That's what it is. Don't let paper control your life. Good job. Is this all right, Pastor Lando? Is this all right? Is this all right? I could tell you stories. I could tell you stories about how God came through for me at the nick of time when I didn't have anything, no money whatsoever. I remember one time, I mean, one time years and years ago, I was, I needed a hundred dollars. That's not much. A hundred dollars is all I needed. And uh, I needed to pay a bill. I was a tither. I always put God first. I remember I was praying, 103 Marshall Avenue. I was at the church praying. I was crying to the Lord, and I remember I said, Lord, I, re I was quoting the word to him. I said, Lord, you know, if you can shut the mouths of lions, if you can roll back the Red Sea, you know, if you can shut the mouths of the lions and deliver the Hebrew, surely you can get me $100. <laughs> That's what I was praying. And I prayed that all week. My Uncle Eric, now just think about the goodness of God, come spontaneously to see me. I went to, he said, he, you know, my uncle's like, now baby, I'm coming to see you. We're going to have dinner tonight and blah, blah, blah. And so I get out, the, I go meet him. It was towards the end of the week. I had been praying this for a few days. And I wasn't even thinking about anything. I got, I went, got out of my apartment, went to meet him in the driveway to give him a hug. And instantly he said, oh, before I forget, before I forget, um, uh, a couple days ago, I just felt like I need to give this to you. Here, here it is. I was like, and he was struggling anyway. I said, well, what is it? 
He said, oh, it's just $100. It's not much, but I just felt like I needed to give it to you a few days. So here's 100 You know what? I started, I started crying. And I heard the Lord say, son, if you be faithful to me, I'm going to be faithful to you to the very end. And you know, you listen, listen. I got, I got testimonies in my bag. And every time I'm struggling, I just look back and pull out a testimony and read it and say, oh, sorry, I'm going to be all right. I'm going to be all right. God's going to provide. Because I remember in chapter 11 how God was good to me. I remember in chapter 11 how he brought me out. I remember in chapter 11 how he saved me and provided for me. Some of you have to just turn the page of your life and go back to chapter 11 and remember what God's done. Turn the page of your life. Go back another chapter. Remember the goodness of God. And then lastly, you have Lazarus. Lazarus, you know, Lazarus wasn't cooking. Lazarus wasn't washing his feet. You almost can get mad at Lazarus. Women, he's just sitting at the table. I mean, I don't know you, but maybe Martha said, boy, you better get up here and help your sister. He did raise you from the dead now. But I don't want you to give Lazarus a bad rap here. Because Lazarus was at the table, and you know what he was doing? He surrendered his time to the Lord. He surrendered his time to the Lord. Martha, she shared her talent of hospitality. While Mary sacrificed her treasures and Lazarus surrendered his time. What are you talking about? Lazarus sat at the table and he spent time with the master. You see, how much time are you spending? Do you know that time is the most precious commodity that you have? You know why time is the most precious commodity? Now, some of you think your children are. They're precious, but they're not the most precious thing. This church is not the... Time is the only thing that once you lose, you never get it back. You say, well, pastor, you always get your ch children back because of the eternal home. But time, once it's gone, it's gone. Once it's used, it's used. Just think about it. You can get another car, Right? You can get another friend. You can get some more money. You can get another job. But you cannot get more time. And Lazarus understood that the most precious commodity in my life is time. I'm going to sit at the table and spend time with him. You know why Lazarus decided to sit at the table? Because Lazarus understood I was dead a few weeks ago and now I'm alive. And I got to spend time with the man who brought the greatest miracle in my life. Let me ask you a question. How much time do you spend with the man that's changed your life? We live in a society. Now, I'm going, I'm going, I know I'm stepping on your toes. But let me just remind you, church does not wear anybody out. If you go to church all week, Sunday morning two hours, Sunday night two hours, and Thursday, Wednesday two hours, that's how many hours? That's not going to wear you out to come. 
That's six hours in one week. Now, I'm not saying that you need to come. I would like for you to come to everything. But my point is this, is that there's a lot of time that you have in life for worship. There's a lot of time that you have for play. There's a lot of time that you have for this. And if you don't use the allotted time correctly and responsibly, you will never get it back. Never get it back. Lazarus was at the table and he understood that the most precious thing that I have is time with the Lord. How much time do you spend with the Lord? If you love Him, you should want to spend some time with the Lord. You see, chapter 11, ladies and gentlemen, is when God did a miracle. He was good. And you have three people in chapter 12 that decided, hey, God's so good, I'm going to respond to the goodness of God. Martha said, I don't have the treasures that she has, but I can make you a cake. I'm going to serve you. Mary said, I can't cook like Martha, but I can at least sacrifice my treasure. I can give something monetary. Lazarus said, I can't cook, and I don't have any money to give, but I do have my time to give. You see, this is a prime example that nobody is without excuse to respond to God's goodness. We all have the ability to respond to God's goodness. Amen. Did you enjoy the word today?